Life is full. It's full of beautiful moments, hard moments, and a whole lot of mundane in between. Often we find ourselves going through the motions and we end up seeing mostly the hard, mostly the boring, and failing to see the good in our days at all. With Intention is a podcast about changing the narrative. I'm your host, Desiree, and I'm no expert at living intentionally. I'm just here to share my personal learnings alongside stories from others about how we're learning to see the beauty in the mundane, celebrate our beautiful, ordinary, everyday lives, and approach every aspect of them with intention. We'll talk about things like motherhood and family, reflecting and taking care of ourselves, our work, our homes, all the things that make up our days. My hope is that you'll leave our conversations reminded that our beautiful, hard, ordinary, mundane days, this messy life, it's full of good and it's full of purpose and it's meant to be lived well with the utmost intention. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get to today's episode. Welcome back to With Intention. I am so glad you're here and I am so glad to be here after months of some time off. I think the last episode I published was back in August. And even before that, I wasn't super consistent over the summer. But do you know how people tend to disappear when they're pregnant? That's kind of what happened to me, (laughs) starting in August, at least. Um, So yeah, if you haven't seen it on Instagram or anywhere else, I am pregnant with baby number two. Uh, We do know that it's a girl, so we'll have a family of two girls. And that is mainly what I've been up to other than starting back to work around the same time. So needless to say, I was not up to anything extra other than trying to get through each day. Anyways, I'm so glad to be back. My plan is to do about two episodes a month. Um, I'm starting with November and December and seeing how that goes. And we will go from there in 2022. If you are still here, if you're still sticking around uh, after all this time off, then I'm just so grateful for you. So we're going to start back today with a Q&A episode. I put out a question box on Instagram and I just thought... What a better way to kind of start back after a few months than just with what do you guys actually want to hear about? And some of it is going to be kind of pregnancy baby related, of course. Um, I have a couple of questions that were work related and then a couple that were minimalism related. So that is the order we'll go in. Let's jump in. So my first question that I got from you all was just such a sweet question and it was, How are you and how was your first trimester? So I thought that was a good one to start with since I have been off air, (laughs) offline, um, at least podcast wise, for a couple of months. I'm just going to give you a little update on how I am and how pregnancy has been so far. So I don't have a huge update because I did do a little first trimester update on Instagram. You can find me there at life underscore with intention. So you can read my little first trimester update there if you want to, which is also not super long. But to answer the question, how are you? I'm doing a lot better than I was. Um, I am in my second trimester now. I'm a week in. I'm 15 weeks when I'm recording this. And I'm feeling overall really good. I think that my body actually feels better at this point than it did with my first pregnancy, which was over four years ago. Um... I think it's because I was more active and just like built a lot of muscle before pregnancy. I feel like my body needed that. Um, And then I've been more active throughout pregnancy, although much less than before, 
because the first trimester is tough. I'm trying to ramp that up now, but that is how I'm feeling now. I'm struggling with the normal things like indigestion, especially at nighttime and heartburn, but otherwise feeling good. One thing I found interesting, which I think my mom has said this to me in the past before when we were thinking about trying for another, I get so preoccupied with my four-year-old and just with my days, with work and getting her to where she needs to be that honestly, sometimes I forget I'm pregnant. Unless I'm wearing like maternity clothes where my belly is just out all day, <laughs> I, I honestly forget that I'm pregnant half the time. So I did not feel that way during the first trimester. I glaringly knew I was pregnant because of how I was feeling, but now I'm at that point where it's just like, okay, smooth sailing right now, at least through this part of the second trimester so far. Um, as for my first trimester, I did not feel well. It was definitely worse than my first pregnancy. Um, I had a lot of nausea. I was so tired all the time, which I do remember those symptoms well from the last time around. Um, typical, not severe, but bad enough that it really did affect my day. And then I had a complication called a subchorionic hemorrhage slash hematoma. You can call them either. I think it's the same thing. Um, it was on my placenta and it caused some bleeding and spotting, which was really scary because I did not experience that the first time around. So that was kind of the main like hiccup, strange thing that has happened in this pregnancy so far. And it was kind of on and off for two weeks until I got answers. So that was two weeks straight of feeling anxious and not knowing what was going on. But again, now I'm feeling good. Um, and the biggest struggle currently is trying to get back into a routine after like three months of feeling dead to the world. So I'm just slowly trying to restructure my days again, um, be a little more productive in work, at home. And I'm starting that by honestly just making a list each morning, which I did not do through my first trimester. I just kind of got through my days. So simple step in the right direction there. And then I'm also trying to wake up a little earlier. I've been using my daughter as my alarm clock throughout the first trimester. Don't want to do that anymore. And I'm trying to move my body more consistently. I would say throughout the first trimester, I was able to do that one to two times a week, at least starting around week seven. Before that, I was good, um, more consistent than, you know, week seven through 12. Now I'm just trying to work back up to what I like for my normal, which is working out four days a week and then walking the other days with one day of complete rest. So that's my goal. We'll get there. That's my little pregnancy update slash how I'm feeling, how I'm doing overall. Okay, so these next two questions are really similar. So I kind of put them together. At least I think they're asking pretty much the same thing. Uh, the first question was intentionally planning with a newborn, how not to feel overwhelmed by stuff. So I took that as like planning for a newborn, not feeling overwhelmed by stuff or the stuff that you need. And then the other question was how to focus on minimalism while being excited for the baby and wanting to buy everything. So thought those were pretty similar questions. So I kind of gave the same answer for those. For me, minimalism is, again, kind of a boundary line. I do not really consider myself a minimalist 
and I do not follow a book of rules. But when it comes to a baby, I am actually more so like going, not going hard towards minimalism. I'm not trying to go crazy, but I am using it as a pretty hard boundary line because of my experience the first time around. We really did have all of the things with Gemma with my first uh, pregnancy, my first newborn. I thought we needed everything. And this was before we even knew what minimalism was. So we really kind of dove into minimalism right after the newborn phase. So I definitely had all of, th- all of the things with her. I also have gotten rid of a lot of it. Um, and I knew for years that my approach with another child, if we had one, was going to be to have way less stuff. Every time I donate clothes, every time I donate a baby thing or toddler things, I tell myself I want to have less the second time around. Like best case scenario, I actually need something because I have had an excess of clothes with her in like every step of the way. I've had excess of a lot of things. So if that makes sense, I I almost want to be in this place where I'm like, oh, I could use an extra newborn onesie instead of I have 40 of them and I'm only going to use 10. Does that make sense? So that's my mindset. I'm grateful for all that we had because most of it was gifted to us. And I know that this time around, I probably won't be gifted as much stuff, but I'm still, I'm not trying to pile up stuff in preparation. I'm trying to have a very level head about it and know that you know, after the baby comes, there's still the ability to get something if it's needed. I have some more structured tips on this. Um, Number one, if this is your first child, it's going to be harder to not want to have all of the things. I am absolutely positive of that. I think even if minimalism was my mindset um, before Gemma, I would still want so many things because you just don't know what to expect. And it is scary and exciting. And you look at all the baby clothes and you're like, I need all of these because they're so cute. I don't feel that way this time around at all. Not that the baby clothes aren't cute. They are. I just don't want to buy them. I I have a totally different mindset. I already kind of went through that experience once. So if it is your first one, like give yourself some grace Um, at the same time. If you don't want stuff cluttering up your house, my number one suggestion is to learn from seasoned parents. So I'm even doing this, even though I do have a child and have gone through four years of life with her, I've looked at like to think about what do we need versus what we have or what's something that you know might be helpful that I didn't think of the first time around. I've looked at like newborn essentials videos or uh, like on YouTube or blog posts, but I've looked at these from parents who've already been through the newborn phase with like two to three kids or more. Because at that point, you kind of know, okay, what's actually stood true for multiple kids? What is actually, what has been needed through multiple kids? Now these essentials, you know, might not be for everyone, Of course, everything's very personal. Every baby is different. Every family is different. So those videos and blog posts aren't your Bible or anything for when it comes to like what a newborn needs. 
but it kind of just helps to see some of the stuff that you might want to get and some of the stuff that you think you need or marketing is telling you that you need, but it's actually just fluff. Another tip is to think about what you want your home to feel like during that newborn slash postpartum phase. I remember things feeling like a mess and it didn't really phase me to be honest postpartum like right away but it started to bother me two three four months in because I was still wanting to be present with my child and not have to focus on constantly tidying up constantly cleaning up you know the home will be a mess most likely unless you have a ton of help postpartum but less baby stuff everywhere will be less to manage, right? So the less you have, the better. It doesn't mean have nothing. It doesn't mean you can't have things that are going to make your life easier with a newborn. It just means if you have a ton of it, it's going to make more of a mess, make more clutter, which might not help your sanity and mental health postpartum. I am personally going into this knowing that I have a four-year-old that makes constant messes, so the less mess from baby stuff, the better, because there's just going to be a royal mess everywhere anyways. Another tip I have is to stick with essentials, things that you actually need. Like for me, I'm thinking of breastfeeding essentials, um, also bottles, because we do a little bit of both, pacifiers, a few blankets, things that you'll actually use, burp cloths diapers, of course, things that are essential. You know, if you're feeling the urge to buy something for baby, buy something essential. Those are the things that you actually need. So, you know, focus your energy on that. Once the baby is here, you can add things still, right? So while you might want to try a few different types of swaddles, if you have like two different options and one seems to be the better option, you can always order more of those once baby is here. You don't have to have everything before baby gets here, and that is something that I definitely learned last time around because some a lot of things that we did already have, we didn't use, and I definitely you know, found brands of things that I liked or that Gemma liked, I guess I should say, once she was here when it came to like swaddles and pacifiers and bottles we had to do trial and error. So when it comes down to it, even if you prepare and have all of the things, you probably still won't have the right thing. (laughs) So stick with the essentials and know that you can always add more things if needed when the baby gets here, when you actually realize, okay, what do I actually need? Something that helps me, another tip, is focusing on buying secondhand. And I did do a lot of secondhand with Gemma. I'm doing pretty much everything that I add to our home, secondhand, baby-related things this time around, especially when it comes to bigger things like a baby swing. I did buy a baby swing secondhand and I bought it for like $20 and I know that if I don't use it as much as I thought, I think I'm going to, then I can easily resell or donate it without the guilt of the money spent on it. Last tip for me this time around, and something I'm aiming for for Gemma still, which is not going well, to be honest, Um, but the most important and also hardest thing, at least for me, to keep minimal is baby clothes. I will probably not buy any baby clothes until I absolutely have to, if I have to. I don't even know. I don't even know what I've kept and I haven't gone through all of it yet, but you do not want to wash a load of like a million onesies. 
bearing in mind that your child will probably have to be changed several times a day in the beginning because of spit up. You don't need a million of them. You don't need, and you don't need a ton of like fancy baby clothes or things like that. It's just really overwhelming to have to do laundry and put away all of these little tiny baby things. So that's, at least for me, that's the most important, yet also the hardest thing to keep minimal because people will want to buy you baby clothes and that's amazing and wonderful. So keep it to a minimal of what you personally buy. At least that's, that's my philosophy on it. Those were my baby questions <laughs> so far. Um, one of them really did tie into the minimalism topic, which we will come back to in a second here. But I have two questions on work that I really liked. If you don't know already, I am a full-time teacher. I work for a virtual cyber school. And I just said the same thing twice. I work for a cyber charter school. Cyber and virtual are the same thing. I teach 12th grade English. So these questions of work are very pertinent to me. I'm excited to talk about them. I hope you're enjoying today's episode, but I want to take a quick break to thank the sponsor that is making it possible. First of all, let's think through our day. What are some of your pain points? What are some of the moments you dread in your day? I think for many of us, it can be that 5 p.m. hour when you realize dinner has somehow snuck up on you again. Maybe you feel unprepared for it. Maybe you forgot to take the meat out of the freezer. But naturally, this is also the time that our young kids maybe start to lose it too. They're hungry, we're hungry, everyone's losing it. Trying to throw together a healthy meal amidst the chaos can be really hard. Enter PrepDish. PrepDish has been a longtime sponsor of the show and I'm a huge fan because PrepDish is such a great way to get healthy meals on the table without the stress. Subscribers receive an email every week with an organized grocery list and instructions for prepping meals ahead of time. This means dinner is super quick and easy every day. They offer meal plans to fit a variety of needs, including gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and keto menus. And my favorite meal plans are the super fast menus. These require only an hour to prep the week's food. And we're not talking about boring pasta or plain chicken. We're talking about items like shrimp tostados, slow cooker sausage and kale soup, and smothered mushroom chicken with mashed potatoes. All real food and delicious fast meals. The founder, Allison, is offering With Intention listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. Check out PrepDish.com slash With Intention for this amazing deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com slash With Intention for your first two weeks free. If you have been following along for a while now, then you know about Simple Morning Lists. Two years ago, I created a morning routine kind of journal that can help you get centered and start your day with intention, focused on your purpose, focused on gratitude, focused on the things that matter while letting go of the things that don't before your day ever starts. So as we are starting back to school, as we are starting back into routines, if you have kids or if you're a teacher or if the fall brings some kind of switch up to your routine in general, or if you're just in need of a different type of morning, if your mornings have been feeling stressful or just kind of lacking purpose, this is for you. Like I said, this is a structured journal that just helps you set up your day each morning. And if you want to find out more about it, you can head to simplemorninglist.com. That's simplemorninglist.com. 
So that will also be in the show notes. That link will be in the show notes. But let's jump back in to today's episode. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, you just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. Since having kids, I have kind of lost my personal style And I'm using Armoire to help me find it again while trying out different brands and styles without having to add more physical stuff to my wardrobe. And I have a few events that are coming up that I know I am going to want some fancier items to wear than the items that I own. And I don't really want to go shopping for items that are going to sit in my closet without being worn after that one day. I hate the waste that that creates, and I love that Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for any occasion and then send it back. I'm just really grateful that I have Armoire to help me dress for the occasion without having to add something to my closet permanently that I know I'm only going to be wearing once. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armwire.style slash minimalish. That's armwire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalish to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armwire today. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So the first one is about putting boundaries around work. And the question was, how do you put boundaries around your teaching job so it doesn't drain your family time? And I totally get this question because first of all, there is not only does it sometimes have to happen, but there's also the stigma that teachers should be spending a lot of their personal time to do their job. Teachers should be going home and having to lesson plan. And sometimes you feel like you have to because you don't have enough time in your day to be able to do so. I have a couple of tips on this. And of course, everyone's situation is different. I personally, with the the job I have now, I do have enough time to do most of my job within my work hours. So the number one tip is to structure your time as much as you can during your work day to do your work during your work hours. Um, stay an extra half hour if you can, if you have to, to just like get some tasks done or go in at half an hour early if it's possible with childcare and everything. But do your best to keep your work within your work hours. Now, that's probably obvious and you might already be doing that and you might be thinking, okay, but now what? Because I still have extra things that I need to do or that I should be doing, 
but that would fall on my home time. I heard this quote the other day and it really struck me as very true and just meaningful and kind of a boundary line for myself. And that is, you are replaceable at work, but not at home. So you're replaceable at work, but you're irreplaceable at home. So whatever that means to you, to me it means if everything doesn't get done that day, if it doesn't look perfect when I'm going into school in the morning, I don't have everything perfectly planned out. When it comes down to it, I'm doing my job the best I can, but I want to make sure I'm doing my job at home the very best. I want to make sure I am able to be there at home. So I will let things go if I have to. I know it will get done. It might look a little messy. It might not look perfect. But for you, what's most important? Is it most important that you look like the best teacher in the world? Or is it most important that you are there at home? And to me, you know, this question seems like you want to be able to be there. You don't want to feel drained at home. And I think teaching in itself is draining during the day. So when you take a bunch of stuff home with you, that's even more draining, right? You're already tired and now you're actually taking precious time away. So no judgment for anyone that has to take work home. But if you do, you know, even beyond what I've already said, if you still have to bring work home with you, is there a way that you can structure a couple of hours on the weekend? Or is it half hour or one after one hour after the kids go to bed? I don't know. Something that helps you feel like, you know, you're not draining your family time away. Also, there are times where I work with Gemma around me, whether it's podcast stuff or my actual work day. There are times that she has to stay at home with me since I do work from home. It's okay for your kids to see you working, right? It's good for them to see us working sometimes, I think. So, As long as it's not like your constant life, don't stress about it. If it's you need to work for half an hour while you're with your kids after dinner or something, while they are kind of independent, then it's not a big deal. So just do what works for you. Find a plan that doesn't feel draining for you. And if you can leave work at work, even if it doesn't look perfect, I would say do it. Because your job is important, right? But when it comes down to it, when you look back, You're not going to wish that you were more perfect at your job, right? You're going to wish you maybe spent more time stressing less about work and being present at home. The next question said, plan with work and baby number two. Feeling the desire to go back, but guilt since baby is only six months old. So I'm not going to share my exact personal plan, though I do have one, (laughs) but I will say that There is no right or wrong answer for this. All plans are valid plans, right? You have to do what you have to do. Obviously, there are also parents who decide to wait a couple of years to go back to work or stay home for the unforeseen future. For me, with Gemma, I went back to work when she was probably four months old. I ended up being able to go back only part-time. And at the end of that school year... I decided to stay home. So I was home with her from about seven months until right before she turned three years old. And I wouldn't trade that time for anything. But that was personal for me. That doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, right? So my biggest tip is, you know, if you're feeling the desire to go back to work, maybe now is a good time for you to try to go back to work. But my biggest kind of tip or mindset tip on this 
is that whatever decision you make, it doesn't have to be permanent, right? Maybe you go back because you have a desire to, but you decide it's not working. If it's feasible financially for you to stay back home for a couple more months, then you can make that decision, right? So if you're able to stay home up to six months and you're kind of just trying to decide if you want to go back to work or not right now, then maybe it would be feasible for you to to try it out. And if it's not working, then step back, right? Maybe you want to try to stay at home. This is, you know, just speaking hypothetically. Maybe you want to try to stay at home, earn some kind of income from home and see what happens and stay at home as long as you can. You can always change your mind on that as well, right? So there's no perfect choice when it comes to working or staying at home longer. You have to weigh your personal pros and cons. Is the cost of childcare worth it for you to go back to work? Uh, Do you enjoy being at home? Or would going back to work make you a better mom? That is okay too. It's okay to feel like, you know, you want to be able to work and then come home and it's going to make you more refreshed. If you have a good childcare option, your child is going to be enriched and loved there as well. So would staying home just a few more months make you feel better? Um, When it comes down to it, this is a temporary season. So if you feel like you want to be at home longer and if you can financially make that happen, even if it is a stretch, do it. If you want to go back to work, um, you know, and you want to try it out, then do it. Whatever decision you make is going to be okay. And it's also okay to change your mind once you've made that decision. I know it feels like you have to make a decision and then stick with it. But to be honest, I have changed my mind a couple of times, (laughs) just a couple, uh, maybe a handful of times about what work I was going to do. And you know, if I was going to stay at home long-term or if I was going to go back to work and it's all been okay. It's all been okay. Even through the many changes I've made since Gemma, when it comes to work. And uh, that's kind of the mindset I'm taking as I move forward as well. Those are just kind of my tips from my experience. All right. The next category is minimalism. So there were some questions on gift giving and minimalism. So I'm going to link some episodes that I've done in the past on that. And it might be a topic I approach coming up in December. We will see. I had a couple of other questions about minimalism. And the first one, I really like this question. It said, how to avoid becoming obsessive over minimalism and decluttering? And I have experienced that feeling. I have felt like minimalism was a list of rules that I had to follow if I wanted to get the benefits from it. And that's just not the case. So to me, I think of minimalism as a boundary line or as kind of like a reminder in my head (laughs) as I'm shopping or uh, as my home starts to feel cluttery. It's just a boundary line of, okay, why is my home feeling cluttered right now? Do we have too much stuff? Um, What's the boundary line here? Is it my daughter's clothes? Then I need to go through and declutter them. Is it my own clothes? I need to go through and declutter them. So if things are, are starting to feel cluttered again, it's that boundary line of, okay, well, here are some steps I need to take to rein things back in. If your home gets cluttered too often and you feel like it's always cluttered, then minimalism can be a boundary line that kind of helps you create systems around that. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. 
it is not a personality trait or a religion or a book of rules that you need to live by. So my biggest tip is to live your life as usual. Live your life in a way that is true to you and your values. And if having less stuff is one of those values, if having your home being less cluttered is one of those values or things that you think is important, then if your home starts to feel overwhelming again, stop and evaluate, you know, why this is happening and what needs to change, right? If it happens too often, then that might mean developing some systems around how you're shopping or how how stuff is coming into your house or amounts of things that you are going to allow be in your home before you kind of start decluttering, if that makes sense. So let me just give you an example for us. Our home definitely looks like a different place on a Friday versus a Monday. And we've kind of developed a system that lets it be like that because minimalism is not our personality trait or our religion or anything that we have to obsessively follow. So we typically, because both of us, uh, my husband and I work full time, we typically do some overall cleaning and just picking up and decluttering on the weekend. And that's like our big chunk of time where we do that. We're usually able to do nightly tidy and reset most rooms throughout the week for the first couple of days. It depends on what that week looks like. If we are home a lot of evenings versus being out and about, things might get more cluttered. She brings her toys out of her room. Um, They don't get picked back up. We don't have perfect systems around everything. And oftentimes by Friday, the house looks a little messy. And that's okay with us. So that's kind of like our system is if the house looks messy by Friday, we know that we have time over the weekend to, you know, spend an hour or so to reset things. If it's taking us more than an hour, a couple of hours to reset things, then that is kind of the boundary line where we say we have too much stuff. We need to declutter. We need to get rid of some things. But overall, when it comes to your house, right, knowing that people live there and people make messes and nobody is judging you on a scale of minimalism (laughs) can help you just kind of live your life rather than being obsessive over how much stuff you should or shouldn't have and how uncluttered your home needs to look. The next question was, how do I better safeguard what comes into my home when I enjoy shopping? And I can relate to this. I enjoy shopping too. I enjoy like walking around Target. I used to, if I was walking around a store, I would just pick random stuff up. But I've gotten to this point where if I'm going to the store with a purpose, which anytime I go into a store, there is a purpose of why I'm going in there. Then by the end of the shopping experience, I usually put back the things that I didn't come there for. So even if they made their way into my cart, I will put them back. And that is kind of where my tips for this comes from is you can still spend time in a store and, you know, quote unquote shop without actually buying everything that you think you like. You can, it's almost like window shopping, but you're actually in the store. Um, You're looking around, you might think you want something, you know, put it in your cart for a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you don't truly need it, if you can't think of a real purpose to buy it at that moment, then you can put it back. And you can do this with friends because this uh, 
question said you enjoy shopping especially with friends you can go shopping with friends but not come home with like a huge bag of stuff it's okay i have learned that the shopping experience even online shopping to be honest for me i enjoy the shopping experience but i'm not usually gonna buy it like i will put it in my cart i don't buy it does it waste time sometimes sometimes i should be using my time better than that if i'm doing that Um, even like if I'm spending time at Target. But if this is something you truly enjoy, if it's like a way for you to decompress, then by all means, if you're able to find a way to kind of create this boundary for yourself of I'm allowed to shop without buying things. I'm allowed to be in a store and enjoy the experience without actually buying things. If you're able to get to that point, then you can totally still shop without actually buying every single thing that you like. So some tips to get there, to get to that point, if you're not even close to that right now, is to go into a shopping experience knowing what you're actually looking for. So if it's Target that's the issue for you, what are you actually going there for? Because you can enjoy the atmosphere of Target without like buying all the dollar spot stuff. You can look at it and enjoy it, but you don't have to go home with it. When it comes down to it, purchasing it and going home with it Like that might give you happiness for a day unless it's something really wonderful and special. But eventually, you know, those things that are from the dollar shop are going to end up just being thrown away or donated because they are not what you initially went in looking for. So know what you're going in and looking for, and then you can look at other things without having to bring them home. If you're going just for like laundry detergent and things like that, You can still, if you're expecting a baby, you can still go and look at all the nice baby things. I did that the other day, actually. I needed to get just like baby wipes for the car. I was in the baby section. I could have been in the past very tempted to buy really random baby stuff because I'm excited to have another baby. But now I can look without buying it. So it definitely takes practice, but it's a good place to start to just start the practice of having a couple of things you're looking for when you go into a shopping experience, buying only those things. And if you do put other stuff in your cart, even if it's going to be hard, put it back. Uh, I know this question might be more so aimed at like clothes shopping or something like that, but really same difference. If you are going to like a shopping mall or whatever, you know, you enjoy shopping for, you can still go in, you can still go in the stores, you can still browse, Uh, but only come home with the things that you were truly looking for in that shopping trip. With practice, it does start to feel normal to do this and not come home with a whole bag of stuff. It feels more normal to think about buying something, but then put it back. It just takes practice. But I am a testament to it is possible because I used to, you know, buy so much stuff I didn't need and I still enjoy shopping, but I really come home with less stuff I don't need these days. And oftentimes I don't come home with any stuff I don't need. Last question is, what is the hardest area in your home to keep minimal? And I have a very simple answer for this. It is, it would be pretty obvious if you walked into my home (laughs) and it is very obvious to me because I know what my daughter's room looks like right now. But the hardest area to keep minimal is my daughter's toys and clothes and my clothes. My clothes, it's not necessarily keeping them minimal. It's just keeping them tidy. So they always look a mess because I struggle with putting my clothes like back onto a hanger after they've been washed and folded. 
So luckily I have a big closet where they kind of just live in a mess most of the time, unfortunately. Um, haven't figured that out yet. But number one, n- the number one thing is my daughter's toys and clothes. You know, we have family that buys her things. When it comes to Christmas and birthday times, she gets more things. It's really hard to keep her stuff minimal. And if I do end up ever bringing home things that I don't need, oftentimes it's like more art supplies for her or something like that. So yeah, it's those are the hardest things for me to keep minimal. And I don't really have a full-on solution for them. I do declutter often. I will say the things that are most cluttery is like her art stuff. And when it comes down to it, that stuff, I I would rather her have things to be creative with. And they will occupy her time so much than have it be totally tidy and decluttered. So that's my answer. I don't have a solution for making it uh, or getting over the obstacle of that for myself, at least. So if you, you know, not I've I've read all of the tips. I've seen all of the organization tips, but we are still where we're at with that. And I'm okay with that for now. That is all I have for this Q&A. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm so glad to be podcasting again. And, you know, like I said, I'll be here twice a month for now and uh, I will reevaluate after the next couple of months to see what's realistic at the moment. I really don't want to fully let this podcast go. I love being here and love the community that's been created from it and love the people that I've met through this podcast. So it's my goal to keep going and this is kind of the method to doing that as of right now. So with that said, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with your friends. I'm super grateful for you for doing that, whether you text it to a friend or you share it on social media, on Instagram, wherever you like to share things. I am just so grateful for any way that you invite more people into this community. And thank you for hanging out with me here. I will talk to you right back here again on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.